0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Bench with me, Matt Lagoza, and Jack Quinn. We're coming here for our second official episode and our first of the new year. Jack, I'm getting ready to start a new year.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. I, I mean, I can't wait to get jumped right into things.
0: Yeah. So, you know, first, we're just going to start off with some quick news, some big news. Alabama, Ohio State in the title game next Monday, January 11th. And I got to tell you, Justin Fields went off last night. Even after getting hurt, he threw a touchdown the next play, continued to the six touchdowns on the night. It's going to be an exciting game.
1: Yeah, it sure is. He had an insane game. It was really very fun to watch. Um, And I'm excited for the game.
0: Yeah, no, it's a sad end to Trevor Lawrence's college career. He definitely deserved a little more. Um, but you know, he's going to be the first overall pick Jacksonville's great. I just can't wait for Monday night, but yeah, yeah. So let's move in to some of our big topics today. Jack, we're going to start off with the NBA.
1: Okay. So we're going to start off with the Grizzlies here. Unfortunate news. Uh, John Morant went down with an ankle injury. Really hate to see that Matt.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely a big blow to the Grizzlies. They're very lucky that it's only around a three to five week injury period. I was watching it and it looked a lot worse. He was uh, brought off the court in a wheelchair. So only being out three to five weeks, that is a, that is big news for the Memphis Grizzlies.
1: For sure. For sure. And, you know, ankle injury like that could bother him the whole season, but thankfully he's, going to be coming back and eventually will help them with their playoff push later in the season
0: exactly and it you know it was it's really disappointing for jaw himself because in the opener he dropped 40 points and it was really hoping for a really big season thankfully it's going to be a very short period of time that he's not playing but I'm hoping he comes back strong and continues where he left off
1: just on to the next topic of the NBA with the Knicks I mean Julius Randle Matt What what are your thoughts on Julius Randle
0: I like it. And I still don't know what the Knicks should do with him. I don't know if we're excited that he's playing well so that he's got more trade value or if we're excited that we're playing well so that he could be a leader on the team. I don't really know where we're going with it right now, but he's having an all star season right now through five games, averaging 23 points, 10.4 rebounds, and seven assists. You know, again, it's only through five games short. And it was a little bit of a rough night on Thursday but it's a really good start to the season, much better than last year so far. And let's see if he can keep it going.
1: For sure. I I think Thibodeau has really had a great impact on him. And I think I need to issue a formal apology to Randall. He has really stepped up his game. He, Looks like a leader out there, especially passing the ball. And he's really encompassing what it means to be a point forward. And I think for a young team like the Knicks, it's really important. And to be a leader like that is important around all these young guys.
0: Yeah, no. And we've seen improvement from a lot of the players on the team, including our starting point guard, Alfred Payton. Last couple games, he has been a start, an NBA starting point guard. And we haven't seen that really from him before.
1: No, he's looked fantastic. I, I really like what I'm seeing. But it's really tough to see all our young guards behind him not getting that playing time. So it's a double-edged sword in that sense. But that being said, Quickly is out, and so is Frank Nilekina. Uh, And I think Dennis Smith's hurt too. So given that that's happening, Alfred's really having a great season so far.
0: Yeah, and last point on the Knicks, what do you think of R.J. Barrett? He had a great opening night, and, you know, I know I thought it was going to be – he was going to continue going. He was going to average at least over 18 points per game. He has been very cold from the field so far in the last couple of games, and he's just not been able to get anything going.
1: Yeah, I think with RJ, it just comes down to consistency. But it is tough with the older guys, Randall and Alfred, even Reggie Bullock, to get the ball and to be in the offense, in the tempo of the offense. Uh, a young guy like him, I think eventually he will be the type of guy to drop 18 points a game. But I don't see him being, you know, the superstar that will take the Knicks to the playoffs. But really a piece that we'll need to keep for the future.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, the Knicks have just been playing great. Haven't checked since that miserable performance in their last game, shooting-wise. But before that last game, they were leading the NBA in three-point percentage. So that's something to look great right on on them. But let's move on. Mavs and Clippers. Earlier this week, the Clippers were without Kawhi Leonard. And let's just say it, it was a massacre. 124 to 73. The maps were up by 50 points at halftime.
1: Crazy to see. It, it's embarrassing for the Clippers, I think. It just makes me question their team chemistry and, you know, even their ability. Obviously, they'll make the playoffs, but even their ability to make a, a long-term playoff run. But I guess we'll see. It was pretty embarrassing for the Clippers given their roster.
0: Yeah, and it's just it almost seemed like they were overwhelmed. It on offense, they couldn't get anything going. Paul George led the team with 15 points. That it it just seemed like without Kawhi, they didn't have like the kind of chemistry that they usually would and they just couldn't get anything going.
1: For sure. And you know, the Mavericks are a good team. Let's not put them down. Yeah. But I don't know for a team of like the Clippers ranked so high and to even be competing with the Lakers. I don't think LeBron would ever allow this to happen. Even I I know Kawhi was out, but this is an embarrassment.
0: Yeah. And it just shows like, this is a major red flag for the Clippers. If they lose Kawhi and lose by this much, that is way too big of a difference between losing your star player Because we know, you know, Kawhi and Paul George are the equivalent, not as good, but the equivalent of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And we know if one of those two are out, they're not losing by 50 to the Mavericks. So it's definitely going to be something to look at, especially once we get towards playoff time, if Paul George or Kawhi Leonard are out at any point. But it's definitely a red flag for Clippers fans to look out for in the future. So now, final thing on the NBA. The Bucs set an NBA record with 29 threes in their 144-97 win over the Miami Heat earlier this week. I got to tell you, this performance, especially by Middleton and Holiday, Middleton was 10 for 13 and Holiday was 9 for 15 for beyond the arc. I got to say, that performance was amazing.
1: Right. After uh, losing a game to the Knicks by 20, this was a perfect bounce back game for them. And I think Giannis only had nine points, right, Matt?
0: Yep, yep, nine points, six rebounds, six assists. He's been a little off this year.
1: I agree, but this just speaks to how strong the Bucks roster is and that team chemistry. He, he doesn't need to put up big numbers for them to win, but it's a matter of him just being on the floor. He, he's MVP Defensive Player of the Year.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it, it just shows that the Bucks can win without Giannis. And obviously, you, they need Giannis on the floor. But he doesn't need to have the MVP caliber game in order for them to win. And that is something big, especially come playoff time, that they're going to need this season.
1: Yeah, and that's just a testament to how good Giannis is. Uh, he's a dis- he's a, He can act as a decoy. He's a distraction out there sometimes. He doesn't need to have a huge game for them to win.
0: Yeah, teams are scared enough of Giannis on the court that if he's there, it opens up the floor for the other players to be able to do what they do and get them to win. So that was huge to see from the box and it's definitely something to motivate them for the future. But yeah, so now we're going to move on from the court, head to the MLB. We had some huge free agency news, especially from the Padres. And we'll get to that in a little bit, but let's start with some individual players. Some of the big name free agents out there. We're going to start with George Springer. And right now reports are saying that it's really between the Mets and the Blue Jays. And over the past week, we've gotten some updates. The Springer's looking for a six-year, around $150 million deal. Jack, what do you think the situation is for George Springer?
1: I think it's a, it, it's great that he's going to get out of Houston. It's a toxic environment in terms of, you know, with the fans and even within the league. And I think a player like him of his caliber, he would really benefit from a large contract from the Mets or Blue Jays um, in a big market. And I think that's great for his career. I think changing the narrative and you know maybe making an impact somewhere else will be good for him.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely time for him to move on, get to somewhere new and try to make an impact. And it seems like according to reports Mets are willing to pay the 6 years 150 million, but they're more focused on a 4-year deal. So it'll be interesting to see if he ends up going to the Mets what they work out in concerning the deal because As we move on to the next player, someone else the Mets are looking at is Trevor Bauer, who, according to reports, again, is looking for around four years for around $35 million a year. That's up near the Garrett Cole numbers per year uh, salary. So I don't know. Do you think the Mets would be able to pull off getting both of these guys?
1: I'm not sure that they'll be able to pull off getting both of them, but that would be fantastic for New York baseball seeing that, you know, both teams would be improving uh, or the Mets would be improving. um, And I don't know, are, are you willing to pay Bauer or Garrett Cole money?
0: That is one of the things that is concerning because, you know, he won the Cy Young last year and he was great, but he's no Garrett Cole. He is not, he's no Jacob deGrom. He is not the top two pitchers in the MLB. We don't know if he can put up these numbers like these kinds of numbers, in in full season. Because remember, we had a shortened season this year. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what he can do. But apparently right now the Angels are believed to be the only team in the running for him just because of the major price tag that he put on himself. But I don't know. It, he's definitely an all-star pitcher. He's definitely one of the best pitchers in baseball. I just don't know if he's worth $35 million a year.
1: Yeah, I mean, even as a Yankees fan, giving Garrett Cole that money, obviously, I I, I like the signing, but a big contract like that does put a team in a hole. And, you know, with Bauer, like you said, you don't know what his production will be like down the line. At least with Garrett Cole, you knew he was a proven pitcher, and you knew that he would perform.
0: Yeah, exactly. You, When you're giving someone $35 million a year, there should be no question marks at all. And... I'm not Trevor Bauer could turn out to put up these kind of numbers for the next five years. You know, he could end up being worth it for the four years, but there are question marks and that's the problem. I don't think you can commit to that kind of money. If you are not 100% certain on this, you don't give them that kind of money. And I think that's why the angels are really looking at them because they need pitching help desperately and they're pitching away from playoff contention in my opinion and if they can get trevor bauer as their ace that would be huge
1: yeah i agree there uh angels would be a great fit
0: yeah so now we're going to move on to our last major free agent and that is your friend dj LeMahieu, jack
1: the machine
0: the machine everybody thought that he would only be able to produce in Coors field and when he left colorado he would not be the same player he proved everybody wrong when he went to the Yankees and what do you think do you think he's going back to the Bronx
1: I really hope so he's, he's definitely been one of my favorite players over the past two years and you know when the Yankees signed him we signed him to be a utility guy someone that will you know punch in put anywhere uh, as he can play any position and then he turned out to just be as, as I said in the machine. And, you no, know, the issue with the the contract right now is he's asking for five years around 20, 25 million dollars, but he's 32 years old. And the Yankees aren't really thinking about paying a guy that's going to be 37 and paying him 25 million dollars. So, you know, you have to think, how many more years of good production does he have?
0: Yeah, and that's definitely a question, because that's the same kind of philosophy the Mets took when they were choosing between James McCann and J.T. Realmuto. And JT Realmuto, he's a better catcher than James McCann right now, even though James McCann is great. But he was asking for like an eight-year deal for a crazy amount of money each year, and he would have been 38 at the end. If he was making $25 million a year, say, at 38, do the Mets really want to be paying that? So it's definitely going to be interesting to see because I know the Dodgers and the Mets are both interested in him as well. If any of those teams accept this offer and take the risk or if they whittle them down a little bit and get them down to like a three-year deal and it, it'll be interesting to see
1: yeah for sure and you know it, it's sort of scary to see that the dodgers are in conversation with him
0: mm-hmm. uh, cool.
1: since he is an mvp caliber player and they are the reigning champions i i yeah, that would be scary, and it would be a real bummer to me as a Yankees, Yankees fan. I, I really loved uh, DJ LeMay, who I still do. And I really hope that Cashman can get a deal out to him that he likes. Uh,
0: yeah, I would hate I would hate to be a Rockies fan if DJ LeMay, who went back out west to the Dodgers. Uh, that would be a thorn in their side for however long he stays there. But, you know, there's definitely going to be – there could definitely be a possibility where a team – Spends the twenty to twenty-five million dollars on DJ LeMahieu until he's thirty-seven years old, because right now he hit three sixty-four last year. He can help you get to a World Series. He can help you win a World Series. So if a team wants to win in the next two years, it might be worth to pay him that money.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, what are the next moves for the Yankees if if he leaves? You know, how do they fill that hole?
0: Yeah, that's actually a perfect segue because that's where we were going next and it's interesting because you know with DJ LeMayhew you're we can just talk about the infield real quick you know we had DJ at second Glaber switched over uh, we played short and you had Gio at third for the most part and that was you starting infield for the most part and losing DJ that's a big hole so I know I've heard a couple rumors Trevor Story Nolan Arenado Francisco Lindor I like Trevor story. And he's always been one of my favorite shortstops. Um, great offensive player, underrated defensive ability. And he's going into his last year. And so you're going to get him for a lot cheaper than you would. If you were to trade for a Lindor, you get him for a lot less prospects. And you have a very good chance of him resigning because come on, you're the New York Yankees. You're going to make the playoffs. You're going to have a chance at the world series. He will resign and help you win one again. I like that idea, but what do you think? You're a Yankees fan.
1: No, I like Trevor Trevor Story too. Another Rocky. And we've always had our eyes on Lindor. We'll see. We do have a lot of prospects. And usually the Yankees, the pattern has been, we pull some guy up and then he's a phenom. So (laughs) we have like one of the best farm systems in the MLB. So in that sense, you know why go out and spend that money when it could be we could have a diamond in the rough somewhere.
0: Yeah, it's true.
1: Like if it doesn't work out, we do have a backup plan. Yeah. But if Lemay who doesn't return is it's just a huge shoes to fill.
0: Yeah, and it'll be interesting. And you know, switching away right from shortstop, the story versus Lindor debate, or keep Glaber. I know you and I were talking about this the other day. What do you think of getting Arenado? How do you think he would fit into this kind of situation? And what would the Yankees do with that?
1: I mean, I would love Arenado. He's a great player. Everyone knows that. Generational talent. I think he'd fit in well in New York. Stars thrive in New York. And I think that would be perfect for us.
0: Yeah, and we know the Yankees are going to get their guy, whoever it is. And they'll make it back to the playoffs. They'll have another chance at the World Series. But it'll be interesting to see which path they go. Is it Story? Is it Lindor? Do they bring back DJ? Do they get Arenado? Do they stay pat where they are? It'll definitely be interesting to see. Let's move on to the other side of New York, to a team that has not had that much success. But
1: sorry, Matt. Yeah. It,
0: it's okay. <laughs> I'm used to it at this point. But hey, we got Hope. We got Steve Cohen back there. No more Will Ponds. New York Mets. What is their plan? What do you what do you think is their philosophy going into this season?
1: I think the biggest thing with Steve Cohen is changing the culture. And I'm sorry, Matt, but it's a losing culture over there. Yeah,
0: no, no question.
1: And, you know, they haven't been good in a while. And I think Steve Cohen's, I I think he went out and said that he'd spend, like the checkbook's open, you know, he's going to spend what he needs to make the team competitive again. And I think that's a good attitude to have. And you guys have a clean slate. And uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, what do you want to see as a Mets fan?
0: It's going to be interesting. And for a number of reasons, as a Mets fan, you are always a little hesitant on rumors because we are always interested in the top free agents, but it never happened. But this year, with Steve Cohen, I have a little more hope. And we've already seen it once. We went, we got James McCann. It was a smart deal because before uh, Cohen, we had two options. We either would have spent the big bucks on JT Realmoto, and it would have blown up in our face, no matter how good the pro- the person is, it would have blown up in our face. Or we would have just re-signed Wilson Ramos to like a seventy-five million dollar a year deal, because that's what the will puns do. Um, just spend a big, big ton of money on older, proven players, but more of the last generation. Um, So, you know, I've got a little more hope this year. And we're interested in Springer. We're interested in Lindor. We're interested in Arenado. Tanaka isn't... I highly doubt we're getting Tanaka, but that's another one we're interested in. But the big one is Trevor Bauer. And after hearing that he wants $35 million a year... It'll be interesting to see what we do because, you know, Bauer is a great starter. We talked about this earlier when we were focusing on Bauer, but another guy that the Mets are interesting, interested in, our Japanese starting pitcher Tomoyuki Sugano, who had a great year in Japan last year, 14 and two, a 1.97 ERA. And he's going to, he's going to want less than 35 million. So I've heard the Mets are definitely more interested in Sugano over Bauer at this point. But it'll be interesting to see what Cohen does and which avenue he decides to go for.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to see. I, it must be encouraging, you know. Contrasting this with being a, a Knicks fan in terms of, you know, changing ownership, yeah. You know, as a fan that struggled so much, you know, as a Mets fan, yeah. <laughs> um, It must be nice to see a change in culture, a change in the approach to the game, approach to the off season. And I really think that speaks wonders. Mm-hmm.
0: It's definitely something new because, you know, a couple of years ago, we were spending $20 million on Jason Vargas or $20 million on Jed Lowry, who I'm not even sure exists anymore. Don't know who he is. Um, and now we're like, $45 million on James McCann, one of the best catchers in the MLB right now. Interested in Trevor Bauer, George Springer. We're thinking about extending Conforto. Now, a couple of years ago, we were thinking, okay, we got to choose between DeGrom and Syndergaard. Who are we going to extend? Now, we could possibly extend Syndergaard, and then we keep the entire core together. It's just a whole new energy in the organization. I don't know. It's, it's exciting because... Not even the winning part. Not even us possibly winning. That's exciting and everything. But just the change in culture is the best thing in the world to Mets fans because we're willing to spend money. We're willing to win now. We're we're just doing everything right in an or in an MLB organization, and that's something we're not used to.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, as a Yankees fan, seeing this, uh-huh. you know, it's nice. It's nice to see, and you know. You're picking finally, up the finally slack.
0: Finally get some competition in New York.
1: Yeah, you're picking up the slack, huh?
0: <laughs> uh but yeah, it's that that's one thing I'm really excited for. If the Mets really do, you know, sign Springer sign Sugano or Bauer, you know, build a really good team for the next 5, 10, 15 years, that battle in New York, it's going to be exciting for the first time. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's gonna Keep be dreaming. You know, I believe Jack I believe that at one point we will be competitive. Um, But yeah, it's definitely going to, it's definitely exciting future and I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but let's move on to the final team. Uh, Probably the most active and exciting team in baseball right now, San Diego Padres. And we know they took the league by storm last year. Fernando Tatis Jr., Uh, Chris Paddock, the entire team just dominating and getting the Padres to the playoffs. And now they add Blake Snell and you Darvish to Cy Young candidate pitchers. They got Mike Clevenger later in the year last year. This Padres team is going to be a problem this year.
1: Yeah. And don't forget Manny Machado.
0: Oh, I completely forgot. Wow. (laughs) They really are
1: good. That, that roster it's their rotation alone is one of the best in baseball. Now, uh, yeah, Blake Snell's out of the East. It's uh better for me as a Yankee fan. No, I keep saying that. Um, and Padres are now one of the best rotations in baseball. Um, you Darvish still has, has the stuff. Um, and they have, as I mentioned, Manny Machado, uh, Tadis Jr. Uh, good hitters. Uh Matt, wh- where do you see this team going? Do you think they can take down the Dodgers?
0: It's it's close. And I think it's going to be a rivalry that goes on forever. And you know what? I think they can. Because here's the thing. Their rotation is now Mike Clevenger, Yu Darvish, Blake Snell, Chris Paddock, and now one of the best prospects in baseball, Mackenzie Gore is not even guaranteed a starting spot this year. He has been on the radar to becoming an MLB uh, all-star starting pitcher for a long time. And now because of these acquisitions, he's not even guaranteed a spot. So this Padres team has gone from the basement to one of the best teams in baseball. They also, uh, earlier this week, they also signed uh, the Japanese uh, shortstop, Hasong Kim. So you can definitely see him moving over to second base. And then that infield, Hosmer, Kim, Tatis Jr., and Machado. This lineup, along with that rotation, is going to be one of the scariest things in all of baseball. And no one is going to want to play the Padres because they can hit you anytime, anywhere, it's going to be fun to watch.
1: Yeah, it sort of reminds me of one of the Astros teams in terms of the amount of depth they have both in the field, their pitching, and their lineup. Um, anyone can hurt you, and they're hard to hit.
0: Yeah, as long as there's no trash can banging, I'm happy with it. Yeah, true. But no, it, Padres are one of the most exciting young teams in baseball, and I'm ex- I'm excited to watch them. I'm excited to get swept by them every time we play them um it, it's gonna be a fun time
1: but, yeah as a baseball um, yeah. fan it's it's better it's different i'm sort of tired of dodgers being the top of the nl and it just i don't know this is good
0: you good know it's nice, it's nice seeing some new teams pick it up we saw the white Sox do it last year the a's are you know they they make the playoffs but they're one of the teams that don't really make it that far they're playing well um Miami Marlins I'm we don't know if last year was a fluke or not but you know they made it to the playoffs it it's exciting to see some of these new teams pick it up and get into the running and the Padres are the leaders of that they're going to be great let's see if they can dethrone the Dodgers and become the best team in the West
1: yeah it's going to be fun to see all
0: right so now we're going to move on to the NFL we got a big weekend this week. All the games are on Sunday. Jack, let's start with the best division in all of sports, the NFC East. Yeah. yeah. Who, <laughs> is it the football team? Is it the Giants? Is it the Cowboys? Who do you see winning this division?
1: My unbiased opinion, I think the Giants will make the playoffs. Okay. And I think Philly, I'm actually have I have to root for Philly this weekend
0: mm-hmm.
1: to, to beat the Washington football team. And just a side note, it's it's sort of crazy that a team that's six and ten, six and ten is going to make the playoffs.
0: That it's crazy. Like just wild. Wild I've, to me. We've never seen something like this before. And it's just you're it's it's funny to me because later in the episode, we're going to be talking about the AFC, how there are five teams at 10 and five and one of them isn't going to make it. And the playoff picture in the NFC, there's plenty of teams at nine and seven, eight and eight, who might not make the playoffs. And we're talking about the giants who could make it at six and 10 and win the division. It, it's just interesting that a t- it's nice for the division that they pretty much get a free playoff spot. Right, yeah. But it it's definitely disappointing for the rest of the league because we could see some better teams make it. But the thing is, a lot of these teams, the football team, the Eagles, the Giants, the Cowboys, they're all one or two pieces away from having a winning season. Football team's a quarterback away. The Eagles are a receiving core away. The Cowboys need Dak back. And the Giants, they lost Saquon Barkley. So, you know, I think it's gonna be the football team. I think they're gonna end up winning, and it's not gonna matter what happens uh to the Giants or Cowboys. Um, but it's definitely gonna be it they're the last it's gonna be interesting to see who wins the Giants versus Cowboys matchup because the football team versus the Eagles is the last game. Of the season, 8-20 Sunday night. So uh, Giants and Cowboys fans are going to have to wait. Whoever wins that game, they're going to have to wait all day to see if they can make it.
1: Of course, right? The Giants play the Cowboys, right? To of course. Cement their fate.
0: Got it. One, it, it makes me it exciting, though, because whoever wins that matchup is going to have a chance to go to the playoffs. So it is a huge game. Everything is going to be on the line. And the one thing that's going to be really funny is if one of these teams makes it and they make it past the wild card game, that is going what's going to make me excited.
1: Yeah, that would be insane. Um, but you know, if there's one team that can do it, it would be the Giants.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. It if, if the Giant if the Cowboys want a chance, they're going to need another Andy Dalton 400 yard passing game. I don't know if he can do that against the Giants' defense. We'll see, but it's going to be interesting
1: yeah for sure i'm looking forward to this weekend
0: yeah so now we're going to move on to the afc this is one of the most exciting weeks for the playoffs the only thing that would have made it better is if the browns won and the steelers lost and they would have been battling it all for the uh afc north but still still exciting
1: yeah very exciting i you know they're the last couple of playoff spots are in between very good teams, the Dolphins, Titans, Colts, Browns, Ravens, and Dolphins.
0: It's definitely interesting. Uh, the Colts are definitely starting off with a couple steps behind because the Titans, Browns, Ravens, and Dolphins, all they need to do, if they win, they're in. That's what it is. No matter what the Colts do, if those four teams win, they, they're they in and the Colts are out. The Colts need Baltimore, Miami, or Cleveland to lose. And if they don't, they don't make the playoffs. Simple as that. They're gonna get their win. They're gonna beat the Jaguars. That's that's what's gonna happen. But it's gonna be a question, can Mason Rudolph and the Steelers beat the Browns or can the Bengals come away with another upset?
1: Yeah, it definitely will be interesting. You know, the Dolphins are playing the Bills this week. Not a great matchup. No Fitzmagic magic this this week either. I don't really like their chances this week to make the playoffs. What's your opinion on the Dolphins?
0: I love the Dolphins, and I really do want them to make it. But, you know, this is their final test. They're facing off against the AFC East champion, playing against their rivals. Josh Allen is an MVP candidate, and he has gone off the past couple weeks. Their defense is going to have to step up. And Tua Tagovailoa is going to have to play the best game of his very short and young career. This is the biggest game that they've had in years. And this yeah. is to show if they can win this game, I could see them winning a couple playoff games, but
1: yeah, yeah, I agree. Amazing. The Dolphins have had that magic yep. this year. I think they they have the chemistry, they have everything rolling, and and it would be exciting to see them in the playoffs. But this week, I I don't see them winning.
0: Yeah, no, I I haven't. I see it's very hard to believe that they beat Josh Allen in the Bills right now, just because of how good the Bills been, which is good news for Colts fans. But yeah, I'm. I would be very disappointed if they didn't make the playoffs just because I've been excited about the Dolphins for years. You know, they've been talking about two coming to the Dolphins for like five years and like, they've been planning for this moment for a long time and it's come true. They're playing really well and they have a great team, but it comes down to a very tough matchup. I don't think they can do it, which is disappointing, but you know, Hey, maybe they come away with the surprise W and make it to the playoffs. That would be exciting. Yeah, maybe there's
1: some Tua magic in the tank.
0: Yeah. And now let's talk about the Browns really quick. They lost the Jets last week. And as much... Jets. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, I appreciate it. We've won two games in a row. Let's make it three. I don't know. They did not... Now, again, they were missing four of their uh, top wide receivers. But... I don't know. That was a little concerning.
1: Definitely concerning, but I'm still going to take the Browns to beat the Steelers this week. And I'm a big fan of them. I want them to make the playoffs. I think it's just dependent on their ability to run the ball with Kareem Mm -hmm. Hunt and Nick Chubb. Because we know Baker can make big throws and he can have, you know, he he has big games when it matters. But. You know, it's really weird that they lost to the Jets last week. It doesn't make sense from a team that's won 10 games. But that being said, I, I am going to take the Browns this week over the Steelers.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Browns as well. Mostly just because I want to see the Steelers lose again. Just because they've been so overhyped this year. Had a very easy schedule, went 11-0. And now they've lost to the football team and the Bengals um, in the past couple weeks. So, I just kind of want to see them uh, lose again. But... Yeah, no, I definitely have the Browns, especially if they get their wide receivers back. And they got Mason Rudolph starting. So we're getting a Mason Rudolph versus Miles Garrett uh, rematch, which should be fun. And hopefully no one gets hit in the head with a helmet this week.
1: Yeah, true. I <laughs> hope not. <laughs> All
0: right, but let's move on to away from the games and to some very exciting things. And Jack, you and I were talking about this earlier. MVP race in the NFL, Rodgers, Allen. Mahone who do you have
1: I'm taking Rodgers I mean he's had a like a sneaky good season mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's given him enough credit for what he's done this year 44 touchdowns five interceptions and led Green Bay to the top of them NFC it's just he's continues to just be outstanding yeah, and, and he yeah. is the
0: Packers we talked about this he is the Packers if they do well he's rewarding if he doesn't he's criticized and this year they're doing well and he is getting the recognition he deserves.
1: Right. He's just at his age it, to be producing at this level still is just so impressive to me. And he's just so good. It, it, he's really fun to watch. And I, I just see him edging out uh, Mahomes and Allen. You
0: know, he's got great ball security. He has under a hundred interceptions in his career. Um, and we know he can fling it. Let's switch gears a little bit. Russell Wilson. Early in the year, we would, We, everybody was saying Russell Wilson was the runaway MVP. And then we got to like week eight, nine, somewhere around there. And he just fell off. What do you think happened to Russ?
1: It's a long season and he had great performances. And I think the schedule was a little bit tougher and it just happens. He still had a great season, but Mm -hmm. not Aaron Rodgers numbers, not Patrick Mahomes numbers.
0: Yeah. And one thing I want to ask you about Aaron Rodgers is imagine if at the trading deadline, the Packers, out of all the teams, and we know the Packers do not pull the trigger on wide receivers, but imagine if they had picked up Will Fuller, and for the remainder of the season and into the playoffs, they would have had a Devontae Adams, Will Fuller, uh, wide receiving group. Aaron Rodgers would have over sixty touchdown passes. <laughs> I know it. They're like Aaron. Like imagine if Aaron Rodgers had a second receiver that could catch the ball, how dominant they would be right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, just to have Devontae and put up 44 touchdowns, even if he had a, a second punch like that, yeah, I mean, it would be more unstoppable Green Bay offense. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I like what I'm seeing from him already. I think he uses all, it, it's just a testament to his skill in terms of he only has a certain amount of weapons on that offense and he's taking advantage of it.
0: Yeah, and for that reason, I don't really think the MVP race is close. I think Rodgers should win it, no question. And, you know, he's playing week 17 because he's still fighting for that week one buy in the playoffs. So he can put up even bigger numbers. Um, but, no, I just think Allen was too inconsistent in the beginning of the season and wasn't really able to get it going until around week 13. Um, and when he got it going, he turned into an MVP candidate, no question. Um, it just he was too inconsistent for the first couple weeks. And then Mahomes, we talked about this. Rodgers doesn't have as many weapons as him, and he's still putting up these kind of numbers. So, in my opinion, Rodgers should be the MVP, no question, and he deserves it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Another subject to just bring up is Tom Brady had a great season. Oh. Not MVP numbers, but if we're going to put him up there, thirty-six touchdowns, eleven picks, and he's forty-three years old, and still proven that he can play and win at a high level.
0: And I'm going to be the first to say that I was wrong. Tom Brady showed me that he can still play football and he didn't have to be in new England's system to win and play well, because he was able to do it in Tampa and I doubted him and I am sorry to all Pats and Brady fans, but still, I mean, to be fair,
1: look at the weapons he has.
0: Yeah. And no, I know, but still, even with the weapons he has, he's been able to dominate. Really, he's been putting, he's been throwing it a lot deep. He's been throwing a lot more deep balls this year than he has in the past with the Belichick system, where it's a lot of uh, flats and slants. He was throwing the ball a lot deeper. He was hitting his receivers in stride as well, which I was surprised. I didn't think he had it in him to throw with accuracy deep, and he he's showing that he's the goat at this age, still putting up these kind of numbers. It's outstanding, and I'm excited to see what he can do in the playoffs in next year.
1: Yeah, for sure. He still has a lot of fuel in the tank. Mm-hmm. I don't see him slowing down anytime soon. There's there's no – he hasn't fallen off the cliff yet.
0: I'm, I'm just excited that he's not terrorizing the Jets in the AFC East anymore. That's all I'm excited about. <laughs> Let's move on to, you know, a little bit more depressing topic for some fans. The head coach carousel. Jets, Texans – Lions Falcons what head coach and candidate do you have and jack start which team do you want to start with
1: let's start with the Falcons okay what do you got um for the Falcons you know since taking over for Dan Quinn's own five start, I've really liked the interim head coach Rasheem Morris uh, he's led the team to a four and four record and he does have experience on both sides of the ball as an assistant coach and he's respected by the players who do you have man
0: i have the same thing i got raheem morris as you said he's great with both sides of the ball he's familiar with a lot of the players on both sides of the ball now that he was the defensive coordinator and now the interim head coach and he's shown that he can get the job done they're four after an zero and five start they're four and four uh right now he's shown improvements on both sides of the ball offensively and defensively And he's comfortable with the team. And that's probably the most important thing. They've had trouble in the past, but with him, they've been able to succeed for a good portion of the season. And I think if they can keep him, he's the best option for the team just because of how comfortable he is with the team and how comfortable the players are with him.
1: Yeah, I I agree. We'll see. The Falcons are a team that's young and, you know, talk about changing the culture. You know, he's different than Dan Quinn and they might need this type of coach.
0: I think it's great. So now let's move on to the Lions. And for me, I've got Marvin Lewis. And right now he's the co-defensive coordinator at Arizona State. We know he's coached in the NFL. He has tons of experience. And I think that is the reason why I chose him. Just because the Lions have struggled for a long time, but they have good pieces. What they need right now is an experienced coach. They went with Matt Patricia, the defensive wizard of, Tom, of Bill Belichick and the Patriots but he didn't have much head coaching experience. And I think what they need is an experienced leader, someone that's been through it all. He's been to tough situations. And I think that's what they need right now because they need someone that will be able to uh, teach the players, lead them, and run a good system on both sides of the ball. And I, I don't think they'll be able to win soon, but I think getting an experienced head coach like Marvin Lewis will help them through the process.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, that's a great pick for me for the lions. I like Robert Saleh. Uh-huh. He's currently the defensive coordinator for the Niners and he's been praised by his players for being constructive and and willing to develop and gather feedback for his team, which is very attractive to players. And he'd be a good fit given the fact that the lions are on a verge of a rebuild. And he does have respect around the league from the players he's coached. And I think he'd be an important piece in changing the culture in Detroit. You
0: yeah, know, I like Saleh a lot. He's, th- he's going to be an interesting head coach and candidate for all these teams. Cause as you said, he's great with his players. He's very constructive and he could really fit for any of these teams. And it'll be interesting to see if any of them choose him as their head coach and what he can do. But yeah, he's definitely one of the most interesting head coaching candidates this year. Yeah,
1: for sure. And now like moving on to the Texans, who do you have, Matt?
0: I got Eric uh, Bieniemi from the Chiefs. He's the offensive coordinator and I have him going to the Texans. And the main reason why I have him going there is Deshaun Watson. Right now, uh, Bieniemy is working with the infamous Patrick Mahomes. And if you're going to look at any other quarterback in the NFL, the most similar style to him right now is Deshaun Watson. So if he's going to move on to become a head coach, why not go to the team with the quarterback the most like the quarterback that you've had a ton of success with? Now, I know there's not much around Watson, but I think they can build around him. If they build around him with Bienie as the head coach, I think they can have a ton of success in the future.
1: Yeah, that's a good pick in terms of the compatibility between the two quarterbacks. I, I think he also would be a good fit. But for me, for the tech, Texans, I like Jim Harbaugh. He's a proven winner. He's played in the NFL. ever remembers he's a great coach with the Niners, led them to a Super Bowl. And Texans have a good roster. And obviously, as you said, Sean Watson is the most appealing part about that. And I think Harbaugh Harbaugh would be a good fit with him and would help him out. And he has the ability to get the most potential out of his players. And I think that's attractive when you look at a young team like the Texans. And he has the experience. He's coached at both the college and professional levels. And and as I said, he's a winner.
0: You know, I like that pick a lot. Harbaugh is definitely going to be one of the top head coaching candidates this offseason, mostly because of that experience. And that's going to be important to a lot of these teams. And now this is a good segue because he is one of the coaching candidates for the jets. And I say that because I could not figure out who to choose for the New York jets, just because of how bad their situation is right now. And there's just, so many different things that they need to fix And each head coaching candidate brings a different thing in. And so Harbaugh is one of those options that I have for them just because of his experience in the NFL and what he's been able to accomplish. I think he would be a good candidate, but right now my top two for the jets would be Arthur Smith, the Titans offensive coordinator, or Greg Roman, the Ravens offensive coordinator and mostly because of what they've been able to do with quarterbacks. Start with Arthur Smith, he Titans offense quarterback. What he's been able to do for Ryan Tannehill's career has been amazing. You see him in the, with the Dolphins in Miami, not being able to really become the quarterback that he was meant to out of the draft, wasn't even really able to do much, and now he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL once he moved to the Titans. And I think Arthur Smith had a big part in that, because he was a quarterback coach as well. And he really helped boosted Tannehill's career. And that can help whether the Jets stick with Darnold or go to field.
1: Yeah, I I, I like that pick a lot um, with the offensive coordinators. But I'm going to pick Matt Everflew, offensive coordinator from the Colts. And although you might not need help necessarily, you might want a more all-around coach. But he helped to turn one of the league's worst defenses into one of the most consistent defenses in the league against the run or pass. And, again, another coach that is trusted by the players. They love his work ethic. And I think he'd be a good fit in New York. Just, again, he wants to change the culture. I think he changed the culture pretty well. He's a respected guy. And I think the Jets would benefit from that.
0: You know, that's definitely an interesting candidate. And before I comment on that, I'm just going to bring up my second uh, choice, and that would be Greg Roman, the Ravens' offense coordinator. And I like him a lot, again, for the quarterbacks. He was the offensive coordinator for the 49ers when Colin Kaepernick came up. And as we know, Colin Kaepernick, for the first couple years of his career, was absolutely amazing. He was outstanding. But right after Greg Roman left was the beginning of Kaepernick's downfall. And that's where he fell apart and became not an NFL-caliber starting quarterback. And now he's moved to the Ravens, and guess what? He's working with Lamar Jackson, another great quarterback, and he's turned him into an NFL starter. And as I said with Arthur Smith, this is something the Jets need. They need help developing their young quarterback, whether it's Sam Darnold or Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, whoever it is. That is going to be one of the main points of emphasis that they need in their head coach. So it's going to be interesting. But going back to your thing with Everflu, if he's head coach or not, Something that's going to be interesting is what they do on what they're going to do because they fired Greg Williams the defensive coordinator. They've got Loggins right now as their offensive coordinator. Now, do they just hire a head coach and a defensive coordinator or do they reset the whole system? And it'll be interesting to see what Joe Douglas decides to do here. Because that could determine what they do with their head coaching situation as well if they decide to reboot their entire staff.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, now listening to your picks, I think they would benefit from an offensive-minded coach given that the quarterback is something that they're going to be investing in for the next couple of years. So Aberflu could easily be a good candidate for defensive coordinator. Yeah. And I think that would help them both so they get offense and defensive. And that's
0: um, one of the... That's actually one of the main points that I had with choosing a more offensive-minded head coach is because right now, if they end up staying with Loggins as their offensive coordinator, I think it's better to go offensive-minded because right now they've got the freedom to choose whatever defensive coordinator they want. So they can choose whatever works best with their defense. Right now, if they keep Loggins, they would have to stick with his system. And I think if they choose an offensive minded head coach, that'll be able to help uh, their offense more so that they can choose a defensive coordinator that can run the entire defense. And that's just uh, one of the main reasons why I was choosing more offensive minded head coaches rather than defensive.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I I, I like those picks a lot.
0: All right. So I think that was a good first show for the start of 2021. Um, had a lot of good conversations and, I'm excited to continue on to next week.
1: Yeah. Uh, this has been great. And uh thanks for listening.
0: Uh make sure to follow us on socials underscore from the bench underscore on Instagram and from the bench too on Twitter. The episodes will be up Saturday at three. And look for updates on both of those uh socials for any up-to-date news and podcast news. Thanks for listening, guys.